Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, warmer from Evo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Heaps with myself, Greg Heaps Peterson, now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number two by one of our good friends over there at the Three Man Weave and Jim Root. Jim, he, much like myself, from the great state of Wisconsin, did tremendous work with regards to the Almanac. We're going to be talking about some of the teams that he researched for that fine publication, and we've got to talk about how to handle some of these teams that they are dealing with these two-time transfers. How is he gauging them? How did everyone over at the Almanac gauge that as well? Because it is very much a murky situation. On top of that, we do have to be taking a look at some of these guys and some of these teams that might be trying to turn over a little bit of a new leaf, like a Mississippi State that is probably going to be looking to take a few more threes. We're going to be diving in a little bit on a team that he think could be able to rise up in the ACC. We're also going to be talking about a few teams that is a little bit bullish and bearish on. Quite a few of those are out there in the SEC. So we've got that chat coming up as well. And here in segment number one, typically this is where we recap all the news and notes that we saw in college basketball. I think the biggest thing that we saw in basketball, Damian Lillard got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. That's tremendous. Unfortunately, that's the NBA. That's not really college. We are awaiting with practices just getting started up for a lot of these colleges. We should be finding out a little bit more on the injury front. We should be getting a little bit more intel there. So that is going to be coming in the future days, but we haven't seen a ton on that front. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, if you've got one of two ways, we offer those in. First one is my old X timeline at GNNRS41. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And I know that a few of you guys have asked me if I do anything with regards to projecting forward for the NCAA tournament in the preseason or anything like that. And I wish I could tell you yes and give you a whole bunch of excitement and things like that. But the reason why I really don't try to project some of these like bubble teams with regards to the NCAA tournament. Like, certainly I'd be surprised if Duke doesn't make the NCAA tournament. That would be a travesty to say the least, a team like Kansas. I feel pretty confident about them being able to make the NCAA tournament, but a fringe team, like, for 
For example, Ole Miss. It's really hard to project them at this point because, for one, we just don't know if Ole Miss is going to have their guys out there in the fold. Like, especially this year. It's really hard to be taking a look at some of these teams that are on the borderline because we need to know whether or not these two-time transfers are going to be eligible or not. Then we're able to get a little bit more of a lay of the land. And for two, you could actually be a little bit undervaluing slash overvaluing a team's total wins and still be wrong as to whether or not they make the NCAA tournament because a lot of what happens with regards to these teams on the bubble for the NCAA tournament is things like strength of schedule come into play, how they did in regards to like a multi-team event. Did they play the right slash wrong teams when they went to like the battle for Atlantis or something like that? And that's something to where you just really can't gauge because then you're having to look at so many different elements with that regard for that one specific team and how their schedule is going to be shaking out. And a lot of it is a little bit TBD. So that's why I really don't dive in too much on it. And I think that that's a big reason why with regards to like yes, no to make the NCAA tournament. I really have never seen any book put it out there. And I think that is pretty rightfully so. Obviously, you're going to get odds be able to make the final four, win the national championship and everything like that. But odds to make the NCAA tournament, it's not even really, in my opinion, well, it is certainly based on what a team does, but it's not that alone. Like you could have a 20 plus one team out there in the ACC. They might miss the NCAA tournament because teams like Boston College, Louisville, I'm looking at you two from last year, put up a turd of a performance. Meanwhile, you win like 18 games in the Big 12. There's a chance you might be able to make the NCAA tournament because everyone is amazing as well. And your teams that you played in the non-conference, they were all able to come to the forefront as well. So I always do think that that is relatively tricky, but that said, I'm certainly going to be doing everything I can from a game-to-game perspective to help you guys out on that front. And we're getting set for what is going to be a tremendous college basketball season as we chat next with Jim Root of the Three Man Weave. He does absolutely amazing work over there, taking a look at a little bit of the Big 12, taking a look at how to handle some of these guys that are waiting on waivers, some of the teams that he was taking a look at with the Almanac, and so much more next year on Cuz Cuz with myself, Greg Eats Peterson, now a part of the Beast Family Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. 
You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here in Las Vegas with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man as Jim Root does tremendous work over at the Three Man Weave. We are able to follow on X at the number 3MW underscore CBB. Jim is a man that is based out there in the Midwest doing an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. Did great work with regards to taking a look at the Almanac. I know that he interviewed north of 40 coaches for that big publication that came out about a week or two ago and certainly is worth the $20 that you do spend on it. You get so much bang for your buck with that regard. I personally pre-ordered it to be able to save a few dollars myself, and we're always getting some great insights whenever Jim joins the show as you're able to follow him at Second Chance Points on the old X. Second is 
felt with a two and then ND all together. And Jim, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Good to talk to you. Getting closer and closer to college hoops, obviously, with practice starting this week. Starting to get clips on the timeline of, of team scrimmaging and, you know, all the, the beat writers are making the grand proclamations about who's going to have a breakout season and all that. So it's time to get into it. And, and we're just getting closer and closer to actually talking about real basketball. Oh, we are getting closer and closer to it. And right now, the biggest question that we do have with a lot of these teams is who's all going to be eligible slash ineligible? Because before the last few seasons where it felt like darn near everyone was eligible, it was always a little bit of a question, but it always felt like at the very minimum we had a few more answers than we do this year because we did see a situation like with Whitney Newton over there at George Mason. He was able to get a waiver to be able to play as a two-time transfer. Meanwhile, we've get, seen guys like Omar Silviero not be able to get their waivers approved. How difficult has this been for you just because it feels like there's no consistency at all this year and just quite frankly, with the COVID year as well, it's hard to know who is slash is not a graduate transfer as well. And that, it feels like, is half the battle in and of itself. Yeah, it's definitely been an issue. Any guy that I know is two-time undergrad, I'm assuming, is not playing. Especially as I make all my ratings, that's what I go off as a standard. And then if I find out that a guy is playing, like like you mentioned, Woody Newton, then, all right, I'll factor them in. I'll make the adjustment. But I think a nice baseline for this offseason is to assume those those two-timers are not going to be eligible. Now, to your point on some of those guys where I'm not sure if they're grad or not, yeah, that has been a real dilemma. As much as we could during the Almanac process, we tried to clarify that with coaches and make sure we knew, is this guy immediately eligible? Is he a graduate or not? You know, I had a couple coaches and say like, oh no, this guy's grad and this guy's not. So we, we actually had some clarification there, but it's never easy with this many teams and trying to monitor all of them. It's going to probably take through the first game of every team where we see a box score and we're like, all right, did this guy play? Is this guy not? Uh, there'll still probably be some investigating to do as the season kicks off. Heck, I think that when I was in college, I didn't know how many credits I had. So, I mean, just trying to ask some of these coaches, it can be a little bit of a roll of the dice. It can be a little bit difficult. So I certainly do understand not having the world's greatest clarification there. As you're me on the show, we do have Jim Root, who does amazing work over at Second Chance Points right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And with regards to some of these teams that they do have the most weighing on some of these decisions, I feel like some of the obvious ones are there because Ole Miss is certainly a big one with Chris Beard taking over. And I feel like Memphis is one of those teams with just a bunch of question marks. It's not really graduate transfer or not, but DeAndre Williams, whether or not he's going to be eligible just because he's old enough to be able to get the team's rental car if he really wanted to. But are there a few teams that you're monitoring that you just don't know who's going to be eligible slash ineligible right now? Because I listed off two of them, but there are quite a few others where they might not have as demonstrative of amount of guys, but there are quite a few rosters in general that I feel like are up in the air, and many of them are out there in the SEC. Yeah, Ole Miss and LSU are two of the biggest ones. Ole Miss with two guys in CSA and Brandon Murray, and we actually heard there's a chance Alan Flanagan might need a waiver too because though he entered before the NCAA's deadline, he might have entered after the SEC's deadline for an interconference transfer. So curious to see if he ends up needing a waiver there. You said Ole Miss, LSU, those two are definitely huge. Not waiver-related, but injury-related. Like you mentioned, SEC, Arkansas and Tennessee, two of the biggest teams there with, with Brazil for Arkansas and Ziegler for Tennessee. Like Whether those guys are going to be back or not. Finally getting uh, further down the list here. I got Cincinnati is a team that's big with uh, Aziz Bendego coming over from 
Utah Valley Defensive Player of the Year in the WAC. I think he'd be a real program changer for Wes Miller, just the way he can dominate the rim. Kind of goes back to his best teams at UNC Greensboro. We had a couple different shot blockers that could really take care of business there on the inside. Florida State, they're waiting on Primo Spears. They might not have a single point guard on the roster if he's not there now. How much that actually matters for FSU is debatable considering he's like 3-39 and in conference games in his career so far between Duquesne and Georgetown. But yeah, I mean, some of these guys, it really will come down to the you know start of the season. And the schools are frustrated too because they would love to know right away. And it's just it's not how the NCAA works. They're not immediate with these decisions. It takes time to review the, the documentation behind it and, and the reasoning for it. So still waiting to see. I'll give you one last team that I think is big, New Mexico State, because they're waiting on Femio Decale, transfer from Seton Hall and Pitt. And he's the type of guy that could be like first team all conference player of the year even in Conference USA with his talent level. So if he's able to get eligible, that's a massive, massive swing for New Mexico State, a team that brought in 13 new scholarship players this year. Um, so that that's a big one that, that I think could be a huge rating swing for New Mexico State. And with New Mexico State, it is a brand spanking new team with them as well, because as we know, you had the hazing scandal that went down with them. That was less than terrific, so they had to bring in Jason Hooten, who did an amazing job, and I'm not just hooting about that, over at Sam Houston State and now he has to bring in pretty much an entirely new roster. So as many guys as they can get out there as humanly possible, not just whether it's a top-end talent, but in terms of depth, that would be big for them as well. As Jim Root, who does amazing work over at the three-man weave, is joining me right here on Coast Coast Hoops. And I know you certainly dove into a lot of different teams with regards to two different things because obviously you did the Almanac over there with the folks over at Field of 68, you guys over there at the three-man weave, and he checks CBB all came together. And then over there at the weave, you guys did your top 40 list as well. And as you've been doing your research here in the off season, have there been a few teams that you've been starting to warm up on a little bit as you've been diving in, maybe at the forefront, you weren't thinking that they'd be too prevalent of a team, but as you dive in a little bit more and more, you're just feeling a little bit better about them in general. I think Virginia is a team that I've really warmed up to as I've looked more and more at them. I think they've got a couple pieces that really are going to be awesome defensively. We know Beekman's great. He's the reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And then Ryan Dunn, the rising sophomore, I think is going to be terrific. And Jordan Miner, I know he's coming from the NEC and Merrimack, and people probably write him off because of that pedigree that he's got. But he was the best player in that league on both ends of the court. Defensive player of the year, also the player of the year, just totally dominant, maybe slightly undersized for the ACC. He seems to me a guy like Anthony Gill that was a dominant defender at Virginia. And within that scheme with Bennett, Miner switching styles, like he was in a zone at at Merrimack, and maybe that's going to be tougher for him to, to figure things out in the ACC or could take a little bit of an adjustment period. But that's three elite defensive players, and Tony Bennett knows how to coach it on that end of the floor. I think there will be enough offense for the Cavs to – I've got them second in the ACC, and for a while I think I had them like fourth or fifth, and they've just kind of inched up a little bit. Now behind Duke as that second team in the ACC – been very impressed with them, I guess, as I've gotten through the process. Another one is BYU. You know, maybe they got a tough situation this year going from the WCC to the Big 12. They're going to really uh, have the worst of it travel-wise in that league because they're the only one in the mountain time zone, and they're going to a bunch of central and eastern time zone teams. But 
I just like the way the roster is constructed with a couple different effective bigs. I love Triore up front, and I think bringing in Ali Khalifa was a nice add. And then their backcourt. They got a lot of different weapons between the guys returning. I think Dallin Hall figured it out at point guard last year when they were kind of scrambling to fill that spot. And then some of the transfers they brought in this offseason. I think BYU is going to be sneaky in the mix for an at-large bid as long as they can survive the gauntlet that is the Big 12 and taking that, that big step up in competition there. And I do think that it is going to be really interesting to look at that BYU team in a Big 12 that, once again, I do think that it's the best conference at all of college basketball. And what I think has been helping out the Big 12 so much with regards to how they play in the NCAA tournament is that you do have a wide-ranging style of teams because with West Virginia, it was always a case where Bob Huggins would be playing very different based on the roster that he had around him. Like when you had Derek Culver, when you had Oscar Sheboy very much ran it with a low post style. And then last few years, they were bombing a bunch of threes. As we know, now Bob Hawkins is no longer in the fold. So now you've got Josh Eilert, and now they're going to be trying to mix and match. And that's another one of those teams that we were talking about two-time transfers. We need to be checking in on Raekwon Battle. That is going to be big for them. But how do you take a look at the Big Ten as a or how do you take a look at the Big 12 as a whole? Because obviously Kansas is going to be right up there towards the top. Texas want to be checking in on Dylan DeSue, but even if they don't have him in the fold, they're going to be a relatively solid team. But I just feel like, once again, those teams in the middle, like a Texas Tech, like a TCU, I'm very warm on so many of those teams. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think you can maybe not safely say, but I think I'm comfortable with saying like that top four, you know, Kansas and Houston right at the top, nationally elite, national title contenders. I'm a big Houston fan. Maybe not everybody else is totally on board with that. But then Baylor, Texas, two teams that are picked pretty highly preseason. I, I'm okay with that. You mentioned Dsu for Texas. I think Shedrick is still like on a foot injury timeline uh, recovery path right now, so he, he's got to get figured out. But yeah, I mean that middle group to go with BYU, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU. I think all could be tournament teams. I think Cincinnati's coming in with a lot more firepower and defensive readiness than maybe people are expecting considering they've been off the national radar the past couple of years. And Oklahoma State's just always really steady under Mike Boynton. And even West Virginia with with Edwards sticking around there, I think that gives them a high defensive floor. It's just going to be brutal. And I'm going to miss a lack of a double round robin, a true schedule like that. So maybe that will give an advantage to certain teams here and there. But there's a lot of really good defenses in this league, a lot of good, really good defensive coaches. So it's probably whichever team can kind of figure out how to produce points on a given night. And I think of the last couple of years, Iowa State, an elite defensively, and they've found enough points to make their way to the NCAA tournament. And I think that's what teams like Texas Tech and, and TCU are going to have to do because they're going to be better defensively than offensively. It's just a matter of finding a couple guys that can get them buckets in crunch time. Oh, and I am so glad that you mentioned Iowa State because they're one of those teams that I was asking you, is there a team that as you look at them a little bit more, you're starting to warm up on them a little bit more? Iowa State is one of those prime teams for me. Just because Iowa State, it feels like they've been rather silent here in the offseason. They made a few moves, but it's not like they were going out there getting a whole bunch of guys via the transfer portal or anything like that. But I do think that with some of these teams – like in Iowa State, for a team out there in our neck of the woods, Marquette, these teams that maybe they didn't make a lot of moves in the offseason, these are the teams that we do want to be identifying a little bit more because I know you did a great research study about a month or so ago by utilizing Bart Torvik data and taking a look at returning minutes. And these are teams that when they return a lot, you're not going to be talking about them too much because it's not like they're bringing in splashy guys. But these are teams that typically towards the beginning part of the season, they just flat out win. And I feel like Iowa State 
could be one of those teams that we've seen it the last two years out of them, and I think that it could be three straight years. They do really well out of conference because not a lot of people are paying attention to them. Yeah, they didn't win the offseason as, as certain teams did. You know, they don't, like you said, they didn't bring in the top all conference level transfers. Iowa State added a couple guys that are going to help their, their offensive upside, especially Pavletsky, the transfer from Wofford. Another guy that's originally from our home state, Greg, you know, Pavletsky's from Wisconsin, but Milan Monsilovich, the, the freshman from Wisconsin, Went to J.J. Watts High School up there, won a state title at Pewaukee. I think he's a little underrated by national recruiting stuff because maybe he's not the best pro prospect, but he is a combo forward that can really, really score, and it gives them kind of exactly what they've needed. Somebody that can kind of invert the defense a little bit. I think Jazz Koontz was doing that a little bit for them last year, but not to the degree that Monsilovich can do. Coming in as a freshman, you add that to, to Omaha Billyu, the highest recruit in the history of the program. Tam and Lipsy coming back as the floor general that, that kind of dictates how they defend. They're going to play the same intense caliber defense that Otzelberger has become known for there in Ames. But it seems like maybe they got a little more offensive pop. So to your point, yeah, them, Marquette, teams that didn't do something super splashy and grab headlines. They're probably just going to be business as usual heading into the non-conference. And we know, like you said, Otzelberger's Iowa State teams have been among the best in non-conference play against the spread the past two years. Oh, absolutely. And how much do you take a look at some of these teams that maybe they are trying to turn over a little bit more of a new leaf with regards to their offense as they're realizing that they're needing to adapt because you were just mentioning it with Iowa State. And a team that I'm very curious to see towards beginning part of the season is Mississippi State because I was taking a look at them in their foreign tour. And you don't want to be making a ton of these foreign tours, but they brought in Andrew Taylor. They were certainly bombing a lot more threes. And while I don't think that they're going to be like trying to run it and gun it, score 80 plus points per game or anything like that, I do feel like they're a team as well that might be trying to be a little bit more assertive on the offensive side of things and trying to put up some more points. Yeah, I'm sure they desperately want to create more space for Tolu Smith inside there. Mississippi State and, T- and Tennessee both kind of have this where they brought in guys known for offense that you know maybe aren't going to be up to the coaches standard defensively and it remains to be seen how much those coaches are going to actually let those guys play through defensive mistakes taylor's a guy i've loved for multiple years at marshall dictates the pace kind of controls the game i mean they had tavion kinsey as a security blanket there around him but he does give that mississippi state team an element it didn't have on the perimeter and just looking back at, at the bulldogs last year i mean like every guy on their team had a career worst shooting year i don't think it's going to be as bad this year. I remember, you know, last offseason, I don't know if you remember this, Greg, but how bad South Florida was shooting the three two years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah, just terrible. Like as bad as Mississippi State was last year. And their coach, Brian Gregory, was just like, you know, sometimes you get in a rut. The confidence goes and guys just don't shoot it with any sort of faith the rest of the year. And suddenly a, a new season comes along and they turn over a new leaf. They feel refreshed. I could see that happening with Mississippi State where, like, yeah, like you said, they're not going to suddenly be a 40% three-point shooting team where you're desperate to close out, but I don't think they'll shoot sub-27% from deep again. I'm sure it will maybe you know, right around 30. But if it's 30, that team is suddenly incredible because they're going to be, like, top 15 defense again. They've got all that length, size, athleticism. You give them one more shooter, creator, and Taylor, and, and the other guys get a little more confident. And I know that my colleague Matt Cox is super bullish on Mississippi State this year because of those reasons. So maybe that is a team that could kind of sneak up from where they were last year in that, you know, fringe NCAA tournament grid and start to be like getting close to five, six seed in the tournament. And I love that we're talking about shooting percentages because whenever you join this podcast, Jim, we're shooting a hundred percent on great podcasts. You do absolutely amazing work 
over there at the three man weave. I know you're getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. You did great work with the Almanac. You guys did great work with your top 40 over there at the three man weave as well. So both the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah. Biggest thing to that we can plug is the Almanac. You mentioned it earlier, cbbalmanac.com. And it's got previews of every single team in the entire country, at least 1300 words. We get really in depth on them. We talk to all the coaches, get a little insight on their rotations. So there's a roster grid on there with last year's stats. So you can kind of use that to build how you feel about the team this coming year. Highly encourage buying a login to that. It is a website that you can log into. Only $20 for all of that. It's something. I, I did some re- loose math. I think it's like 600,000 words. Just obnoxious. You, you wouldn't be able to get through it all, but I think there's plenty to look through. And then we're doing our conference preview series on Three Men Weave, uh, the podcast, College Basketball Podcast. So did Pac-12 last week, got SEC coming this week. So check that out as well, Three Men Weave college basketball podcast and i think you can fit that in with your daily greg peterson experience as well so there we go absolutely and when it comes to the three-man weave they are the best in the business jim kai and matt they all do absolutely impeccable work anytime we could get any of the three on the podcast it is always a pleasure today we went out to the midwest for our good friend jim a big thanks to jim root for joining me on Cusco go Seeps, now part of the visa family podcast and if you do like hearing from this fine podcast Cusco go Seeps, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my old X timeline at GNNR41. Keep in mind, letters the M. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be with you guys every single day on this podcast. We're down to just four conference previews now. The Big 12, the Big East, along with the Pac-12 and the SEC. I'm probably going to do about one a week moving forward, so that'll leave us about 14 days where all the conference previews are done. I'm able to dive in on all these questions that you might have, and we're going to have a successful season. Once we get in season, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm with you guys every single day, and that means I'm back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. everybody welcome to across generations where the voices of black women unite i'm your host 
Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a Cross Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 